try to preach things that are necessary. You can go ahead and put that up, uh, Matt. At this time of the year especially, we as Christians, how many want to be right with God? So I want to touch a subject that I don't think, I've asked a few people, I haven't touched for a couple of years probably at least, but I've got a really good study, and, and you know what, I'm, as far as I know this morning, everybody's uh, family here, I don't think we have any visitors, so this is a good, good message to talk about at this time of the year, because when you get saved, how many know you learn, begin to learn things uh, that you did before, or don't know what you're supposed to do, and a, a healthy church is where people are are getting saved and walking with the Lord, and then as they're walking with the Lord, the Spirit of God begins to show them things. You know what? This is something that you need to work on. This is an area we've had uh, over the years, many, many, many couples come in that were living together, and the Holy Spirit began to minister to them and say, you know what? You need to get married, and then they get married. Amen. And that got that right. And that's just an example of many things. Someone come in and began to be dealing with some kind of whatever issue, and it's not something that immediately you get saved and you have it all together. But at this time of the year, this might be the best time of the year, and I've definitely never done this during December, but I know that a lot of us are going to be at Christmas parties. A lot of us are going to be together with family members. We're going to be at a lot of places where there's going to be alcohol. I don't know what's up there. Should a Christian drink alcohol? Okay. So I don't, I, we're going to be at these places, and, and, and we were raised different ways. We talked about this before. We have different thoughts on it. And, and, and everybody in here could give a different opinion, amen, but I believe that God's word has some really strong uh, influence on us about what the Bible says, should a Christian drink alcohol, okay? So let's get into this this morning, y'all intrigued? First of all, let me give you just a few uh, statistics, I like statistics, 71% of Americans drink alcohol, that's a pretty high number, 93% of students will have tried it by the time they were in high school. And one out of every three people who drink alcohol will become alcoholics. Wow. One out of every three that drink alcohol will become alcoholics. As we get started on this, this is one of those topics and sermons and messages and, that we can talk about. And, 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 and I would say that the world itself, in general, looks down on alcohol in general. Okay, I'm saying in general. Even though 71% drink it. That's what's funny. They look down on it uh, because of the damage that it eventually can cause. And so there'll be two sides to this story. And these two sides would be, well, it, it, is it okay to, to drink a little bit and don't get drunk? Or, or should we not drink at all? Or is it okay to get drunk? Or whatever. All these different thoughts could come into play. And obviously most people will tell you, you know what, it's probably not good to get drunk. That's pretty obvious because we know what happens when people get drunk and the, the statistics of how many people, about, I think it's about 100,000 people a year die in the United States in, in, in car accidents. And that seems low to me, okay, by alcohol. And so most people will say it's bad because of the appearance and the end result, but then the other side is that other uh, voice on the shoulder that says, no, it's not that big of a deal if you handle it. Okay? And so that's kind of the thoughts. And then as we be become Christians, we begin to learn the Bible, we begin to see some things, we begin to read some things, we begin to see in the Bible that, hey, man, there's a, the word wine is mentioned a lot in the Bible. And uh, it, there, there's a bunch of people, especially in the Old Testament, drinking that wine. And then we begin to hear people say, well, uh, I, I, I think it's okay to drink because... 
Jesus drank wine. That's what everybody's big reason is for drinking. Amen. And then some people say, well, Paul said to drink a little wine for the stomach. And so they'll begin to bring these things out and say, it's okay. It's no big deal. Now, as I go forward in this, God's going to speak to everyone individually. And by the time the message is over, you make your own choice. I can't make any choice for you. Amen. But I want to give you the word of God this morning and show you some things that I have studied out that I think will help you really see alcohol in a different light this morning. Amen. Uh, that verse I just mentioned, you don't have to look at this this morning. Uh, it was in 1 Timothy 5.23. It says, don't drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and for your frequent infirmities. Now, let me tell you something. That wine right there alone could be many things, not just uh, the word, the specific word wine. Every day I take it with try, try religiously to take apple cider vinegar every morning when I wake up. I go get a tablespoon. Has anybody ever had that or tried it? It's nasty, tastes horrible. But you know what that apple cider vinegar is? It's fermented. And so some will, you know, I, I don't know if I drank a whole lot of it if I'd get drunk. But I probably couldn't make it that far because it's really strong. But that's a wonder uh, liquid, to, so to speak. But it's fermented. But it's for your stomach. It's for your digestion. It's for all kinds of good stuff. And so we know that just like, uh, just like the, somebody taking some wine for their stomach for a sickness or a disease, people, uh, you know, drugs today, pharmaceuticals, have turned into addictions even though the thing itself and the root of drugs were made by natural things that were used for medicine. Okay? So what that means to say is we have to be very careful that when we're looking at things that can, we can consume, that we have to be very careful that we understand how we're supposed to consume them. Okay? So I would say this morning to you as a church, Sunday morning, congregation, that most of you, I would think, it, we would be on level playing ground to say that most of us, I can't say everybody because I don't know everybody, would say it's wrong to get drunk. I, I would probably give you the benefit of the doubt that everybody would say that's for sure. We don't even have to go there. But let's talk about the minimal part is, is it okay to drink? And that's where I really want to touch because I think most of us, again, would say, no, it's not, it's not good to get drunk. That's definitely bad. But, but what if it's okay if I, is it okay if I social drink? Is it okay if I have a glass of wine every once in a while? Is it okay if I, if I have a beer every once in a while? I don't get drunk. I can handle it, all these different things. Well, I'm going to show you some scriptures this morning. If you get your Bibles ready and your notes, please take notes on this because this is a good message to witness with. If somebody brings this topic up over the next couple weeks at your house, you can say, hey, let me, let me whip out some notes and show you what the Bible says. This is not the gospel according to me. Amen. This is a gospel according to the Bible. Amen. And uh, I want, I, I'll just go ahead and, and say my take as we get started to go forward, and then you can do what you want out of it. I don't believe that a Christian should drink any alcohol. Amen. That's my own personal belief. That's my own personal take. And I'm going to tell you why in just a minute, okay? And so if, if you didn't clap or didn't get excited, that's fine. You don't have to. But I do want you to see why I believe that. Why I believe that I'm, I don't even put a sip to my mouth. And anybody that's in leadership in our church knows that. It's something that we can't, we, you know, we can't go around people's houses and tell them what to do and tell them what not to do. Everybody's individually standing before God. But when you get into leadership... As a, as a leader of the church, I can say, hey, if you want to be in leadership, this is what we require. This is what we expect. And if you can't stand up to that, then you can't not be a member of the church, but you can't be in leadership. 
And so that's something that we, we stand for in this church. And, and my, my kids have never seen me drink a glass, a, a sip of alcohol. Amen. I don't, I don't think they've ever tried alcohol. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know specifically, but they haven't seen that example. I never saw my parents drink alcohol. And, and so I could say, okay, well, I got a little bit easier there because I never seen my parents do it. Maybe you grew up in a home of alcoholism. Maybe you grew up in a home where it was around. Amen. Everybody comes from different places. But I will tell you this. In high school, I made a lot of mistakes. And all you know that I have drank. I have drank heavily. And it's the nastiest stuff in the world, man. I, I, didn't, I didn't like it. Amen? But I got into that stupid stuff. But now as a Christian, I had to learn, you know, what, what does the Bible say about these things? Proverbs 21, let me get going, says, Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. I could just finish the message right there. and we, That's enough to go home on. Wine is a mocker. Now notice that, 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 that he says all these things. He doesn't just say beer or strong drink. He says wine, which is the first thing. Most people say, man, it's okay to drink a glass of wine. And maybe you're here and that's your take. That's fine. Let's keep, bear with me. Amen? And so wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Okay? Now the first mention of the Bible sorry, of wine in the Bible, goes all the way back to Genesis. You know, as if you've heard me preach much, I like to go all the way back to the beginning and see where things started. The first mention, and you don't have to look at it for time, but write it down, is in Genesis. And the very first mention in chapter 9 is, is uh, Noah drinking alcohol. And when he drank alcohol, it was not a good thing because the Bible says he drank of the wine and became drunk and became uncovered in his tent. So the very first time we see alcohol mentioned in the Bible, we see drunkenness. And once the drunkenness happens, craziness happens. He's found uncovered by his sons. That causes a humongous problem and a ripple effect with his kids. And a, and a, and a bad things happen. So just to start off the very beginning, the very first time we see it mentioned, something not good happens. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. One thing we need to understand is when we get saved, God expects and wants us to be different. If we're looking as Christians, and this doesn't just go for alcohol, this goes for everything. If we're looking as Christians to, to try to be as much like the world, but not be the world, then there's a problem with that. Amen. Amen. I believe the Bible says we should be as much like Jesus as possible, not as much like the world as possible. Amen. And so if there's a, a, a thought or an a, a, a idea or an image that alcohol brings, then we need to understand that we don't need to be a part of that. Now, commercials, commercials, commercials. We understand that the greatest, probably biggest enterprise in the world is probably beer. I mean, it's tagged all over sports. And, uh, it's, but, it, but to me, it's very similar to how many grew up or old enough here will put you old to, to remember the Marlboro Man. I know there's some people here who remember the Marlboro Man, right? Well, they showed that Marlboro Man. I remember growing up thinking, man, that dude's cool, man. He's strong. He's manly. 
He's a cowboy, amen. He's smoking in Marlboros. He was, he was studly, man. I remember just that image that TV gave me, right? Well, see, that's the image that TV gives you is strong, or nowadays it's sexy, or it's beautiful. There's beautiful women, all these different things. They're smoking a cigarette or whatever, just mentioning cigarette example. And, but what they don't show in that beautiful commercial, the cowboy riding his horse and being the Marlboro man, is they don't show him later on in life sitting on the edge of the bed with emphysema and skinny as bones dying of lung cancer. They don't show that part in the commercial, right? And so the same thing happens with alcohol and with sin. Anything that entices us to be pulled away from what God really wants is, is they'll show the image of good and awesome. They don't show accidents in the commercials. They don't show people throwing up in the toilet, worshiping the porcelain God. Some of y'all know what that is. Amen. They don't show that. They don't show the effects of waking up in the morning and not knowing where you've been, who you've been with, or what you did it with. They don't show the effects of you waking up in the morning, having a headache to feel like your head is as big as a basketball. Amen. They don't show any of that stuff. Why? Because it's, it sells. But we need to understand that that's the, the Bible says that the devil dresses him as a, as an image of light. He's going to entice us. He's going to bring us in to see things that he doesn't want us to see the end product of. Amen. Now, let's go back. Leviticus 10 i got to rush through this. Verse 8 to 11. It, how many in here, first of all, consider themselves good Christians? You want to be a good Christian. Amen? You want to be all out. All in. All out for God. Well, then their standard for us is high. And Leviticus 10 talks about the conduct. This is Old Testament now. For priests and uh, uh, we, I just mentioned, I, I got ahead of myself for a second. When I just read 1 Peter 2, 9, he's saying that we're a chosen people and a royal what? priesthood okay so we are no longer our own the bible says we've been bought with a price okay and so now we're going back to where that priesthood came from is in leviticus 10 8 to 11 it says then the lord spoke to aaron saying do not drink wine or intoxicating drink you nor your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle of meeting lest you what Die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. So this is our example this morning that we understand that we are priests. We are kings. Amen. We are children of God this morning and he expects us to be different than the world. He expects us to be above reproach, the Bible says. Now quickly look at Proverbs 31, verse 4 and 6. If I'm going too fast, at least write it down, amen, and look at it later with time. Proverbs 31, 4 to 6. It's not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Now, I'm noticing here in Proverbs and Leviticus and Genesis, and just like we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, the racism problem, this is a problem that's been around forever. All these things we deal with today are not new. They've been around, amen, for a long time. Now, what I really want to show you this morning is I want to go to the example. Many people will say, I said it a second ago, 
people will say that Jesus drank wine. It's the biggest thing I've heard personally. Well, Jesus drank wine. Because what they talk about is the first miracle Jesus did. How many remember the first miracle Jesus did? If you don't, it's in, it's in uh, I believe, Matthew chapter 2. You can write that down. And, and he, he, he goes and he's at a wedding. He's not ready to start his ministry yet. Mom gets him started and says, hey, we're out of wine. Okay? And they're at a wedding feast. And the wine runs out. And so she says, son, do a miracle. And he says, Mom, I don't want to yet. It's not time. She says, come on, son. She puts him on the, on the spot, and he has to perform the miracle. So he says, okay, go bring me a bunch of water. Okay? Now follow me on this. So they go, and they get a bunch of water. And this is, this is what everybody's going to use for their reason that it's okay to drink, because Jesus drank. My Jesus drank, so I can drink. Amen? So he goes, and he gets that He asks him to bring that water. He prays, and the water turns into wine. Right? Is that what the Bible says? The water turns into wine. Okay? So that's a fact. He did turn water into wine. But what we don't understand so, so much is that what was that wine? That's what's very important. Okay? It's very important to understand what water was. I want to take you to the character. And this would be right here, this moment right here, this few minutes right here would be the gist of this message. This is going to be the most important part. Okay? Everything else is just butter on the bread. As he's taking this, how many know Jesus Christ, as he did this, is God? This is God. This is not a man. This is Jesus, the Son of God, man, incarnate God in a, in a fleshly body at this wedding. Okay? And so as he's doing this, he is God and he is perfect. Okay? There's no sin in him. And he, would, he did not come to break the law. He came to fulfill the law. So he wouldn't be breaking any of these verses, first of all, that he, we just read in Proverbs, because he came to fulfill those things. But when he takes water, what is water? If you think about that for a second, what is water? Water is natural. Okay, right? Water's natural. Totally, 100% natural. Y'all with me? Yeah. You, cannot, you cannot prefabricate that water. That's, that's something that's perfectly natural and good. And he takes water, and he does a miracle and turns it into wine. Okay? But... The Bible, and I'll get into this in just a second, but in, so remember the words. The, the wine that they, they talked about in Matthew 2 in the Greek is fruit of the vine. Fruit of the vine. That's a very important thing to remember. Fruit of the vine. Meaning that it was grape juice. Watch this. But it was not fermented. So Jesus did drink wine, but he did not drink fermented wine. And I'm going to show you that in a second. Okay? But let's do some common sense for a second. How many of you, okay, could imagine, I'm going to lower this way, 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 way down, okay, way down. And I'm not even trying to put myself anywhere close. Let's say the Christmas party was at my house last night, and it was for the whole church, and I had a house big enough for that. Or if we just did it here, okay, and, and, and me and Carl said, we want to have a party, we want the whole church to come. And we're here, and we're all um, drinking, and people begin to get drunk, and uh, people are tipsy and topsy because we're drinking alcohol. And then we run out, and y'all are like, hey, pastor, would you, we need some more alcohol. Would you pray so we can have some more alcohol? And I say, yeah, I'm going to pray right now. And man, all of a sudden, come through the door, the guy with the Budweiser racks, I mean, he comes in with all this alcohol, and we, and we get excited, and we just have a party. I don't even know what ends. Does that seem like something that you'd want to, as your pastor, would you want to be with me at a party getting drunk? No. I, I wouldn't. But I'm just giving you a low, 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 low example. So if you wouldn't do that with me, 
What makes you think Jesus would be at a party where people were getting drunk and then he would make more alcohol for them to get more drunk? Just think about that for a second. Just see if that even makes any common sense at all. Just, just, I like to think common sense. Because I don't see my Lord and Savior, first of all, drinking, nevertheless getting drunk, and much less saying, wow, this is a great party. Let's give them some more. And let's get drunker. Okay? Because that's what would have had to happen. If they were drinking fermented and they had ran out, that means they were tipping it back. Okay, they ran out. There's none left. They've gone through what was supplied for the party. But it was not fermented. So Jesus, and here's the last part of this. If he turned water into fermented wine, he would have had to take natural water and turn it into unnatural fermented wine. Do you see what I'm saying? He, he cannot, God can't do that. It's not in his nature. He would have to take it from natural to natural. So he took water and he turned it into fruit of the vine. And later on, that guy comes back and he says, man, you have saved the best for last. Meaning that there were certain different ways that they would prepare the fruit of the vine. That they would squash those grapes. That they would uh, make them cool. That they would make them sweet. It was, how many like grape juice, by the way? If you like grape juice, I mean, you're talking about the best grape juice you could ever, that's fruit of the vine. Best grape juice you could ever imagine to drink when they did this, okay? So follow me on this. Y'all still with me? you don't remember anything else, just remember the party you would not want to be at with Jesus. Okay? Three types of wine are mentioned in the Bible. This is important. Watch. Hebrew word, shekar. Okay? Three times. How many follow that? Put your fingers up. Put three. Right there. One, two, three. Like a kid. One, two, three. Okay? Three types mentioned in the Bible, meaning when it says wine, there's three types. How many understand the Bible that it was written in Hebrew, then it was translated to Greek, Amen. So there's different words. We have to get the root meaning of the word to understand what it meant. So there's three types of usage for that word in the Bible. Wine. Okay. First one is shekar, Hebrew. And that's the one we read in, in, in Proverbs 20 when we first started. Remember the first verse I read? Shekar, Hebrew. Wine is a mocker. Okay. That's the one coming from that. The second one is tirosh. And I might be butchering the, the Hebrew, okay? But that's the word Hebrew, tirosh, for wine, meaning no refrigeration. They didn't have refrigerators back then. So that means it fermented fast. Okay, that when it says wine, when that Hebrew, fermented fast. This is mentioned in Acts 2.13. Remember when, the, when they came out of the, book, uh, the upper room and they were full of the Holy Spirit and God's, uh, the people said to them, they're drunk. Remember? And Peter said, we are not, what, drunk as you suppose on wine. And he said that word. He said, we're not drunk. So he related that word of tirash, Hebrew, to no refrigeration, to fermented, and that is alcohol that would get you drunk. He said, we are not drunk as you suppose. Now, the third one is the most common in the Bible. And it is, it is, or for, sorry, going back just one second, that shekar, the first, the Hebrew one mentioned in Proverbs 20, 20 verse 1, would have been the one that Noah drank, would have been the one you see kings drinking in the Old Testament, all the things that would get them drunk, that would come from that. Then the last one is the most common, yeyin, is also again Hebrew, and oinos in Greek, okay? So it's in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And listen, they, when they would boil, this was made, when they would boil grapes into a thick syrup or jelly and keep it in wineskins, 
Now that make, might make sense. You've heard that verse before. Wines, or that word wineskins. That's like a refrigerator for us. Remember they didn't have electricity back then to keep things cold. So they put it in wineskins to drink. Watch this. They would mix this, this oinos, three parts water to one part wine minimum. Okay, three parts water to one part wine minimum, and then most, most of the time up to 20 parts to one wine, to water to wine, fruit of the vine. Okay, now watch this. Y'all paying attention? This is, this is science class. A three to one mix would have, remember that they didn't have distillation, they didn't have technology that we have. Because of the lack of distillation that was invented in 1826 by Robert Stein, the three-to-one mix, which I said was the most common, but even would, the least, sorry, the least uh, diluted, would be a 2.5 to 2.75 liquor content. Okay? So what that means is that when they were making it with no refrigeration, it would have a, a little bit of alcohol content in it. Okay? Y'all following that? It would have a little bit because it was fermented. A little bit. But not because they were making it fermented for it to be alcohol so they could get drunk. Because it would automatically ferment a little bit because they had no way to refrigerate it. Okay? There was no distillation. So that would be 2.5 to 2.75%. Today, y'all following me still? Okay, 2.5 to 2.75. Today, alcohol has to be 3.25% to be considered alcohol. Okay, it has to be 3.25%. And that state of them doing the fruit of the vine, grape juice, putting it in the wine skins, trying to keep it the, the, the coolest that they could, it would sometimes reach 2.5 to 2.75% alcohol. But it would not be enough to, to get you to mess with you. It has to be 3.25 to what would actually be considered alcohol. Y'all follow that so far? Yes. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to break it. Wow. Okay? Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to break it. How many remember? When Jesus did with his 12, 12 disciples, the Lord's Supper. Right? He said, when we take communion and, and we take that bread and we take that grape juice, amen? When we take that grape juice, we drink that in remembrance of what the Lord did. And he did that in the Passover as an example, sorry, and the Lord's Supper as an example of the Passover when, they, when the... When the uh, unleavened bread, this twelve fifteen of Exodus. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Okay? That meaning no yeast. Okay? And so we would have to see Jesus in the Lord's Supper in Luke twenty two eighteen. Write that down. I'm going to read it. Where he says, for I say to you, as he's taking the Lord's Supper and he's breaking that bread and he's drinking the fruit of the vine, oinos, non-fermented grape juice. Okay, as he's drinking that, he says these words, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Okay, he's saying, I'm drinking it with you tonight, but I will not drink it again until the kingdom of God comes. Y'all follow me so far? Okay, so if Jesus came to fulfill the law, and the law would say what we read way back in, what was the verse I gave you at the beginning? Way back in um, Leviticus. Remember Leviticus when he said, uh, priests do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. Jesus was the biggest priest, the best priest, the perfect priest, right? 
He is our priest. And so if Exodus says to Jesus, if the Bible says in Exodus that a priest should not drink wine or intoxicating drink, nor should you or your sons, lest you die, Jesus would have had to have broken the law if he drank fermented alcohol. He would have been breaking his own law when the Bible says he came to fulfill it. So for someone to say Jesus drank wine and with the connotation that it was fermented so that they could drink wine, they're mocking God. That's the truth. If you really get down to it, they're mocking God because they're saying that he drank it. And no, he didn't because he would have been breaking his own law. Why would he say as God, if you're a priest, if you're a, a, a king, if you're a leader in my kingdom, I don't want you to drink alcohol, but I'm going to come drink it. It's OK for me to do it because I'm God. That would be that would be not make any sense. He'd be breaking his very own law that he set for us. Jesus did not come to break the law. He came to what? Fulfill it. Habakkuk 2 verse 5. Don't even try to find it. It's hard to find. Amen. Just write it down. I'll read it to you. Nice and slow. Indeed, because he has, sorry, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man. Man, let me, let me, what I'm going to read here, I'm going to explain it. I'm going to read a verse of a, of, a, of a description of what wine does in Habakkuk. Indeed, because he transgresses by wine. Now, let me just say something else before I finish. Now, I only have a couple more verses left. So, if you're enjoying this, too bad if you're not you're almost done <laughs> all right on on the thing of wine again the thing that's interesting is is what might be for me sin might not be sin for somebody else the problem when i begin to try to figure out what i can get away with is how do i know what standard I'm supposed to be living up to. Maybe for Paul, he's allowed to drink 3.5% alcohol. Okay, and it would not be a sin. But what if for me it's 2.2? Maybe God says, Blake, you can't drink anything over 2.2%. And I'm drinking 3.5 with Paul. We're just fellowshipping. We're not getting drunk, but my limit's 2.2. So I'm sinning. And then how do I really know? Like at what point? Here's another question. Okay. Is, you shouldn't get drunk. Okay. Exactly at what point do we really know that someone's drunk? Really? Like exactly. Oh, they're drunk. Now, I know you can tell when someone's really drunk. Okay. Because they act a fool. Okay. And some of you have been around that. Some of you have been that. Okay. Hopefully none of you still are that. Amen. But y'all follow me? How do you know exactly like when that moment is that you were socially drinking and now you're beginning to get a little tipsy? How do you define, how do you make that definition? I remember Brian, when he preached last time, he mentioned that part about how do you know where? How do you know where? That's the question you got to ask yourself. See, what I do is I say, and and listen, we're all adults in here. Okay, right? Last I checked, we're all adults. So I'm going to get vague for a second on this. That'd be like me, I'm married, right? Got a wife, one wife, my whole life, just one. That's a girl. Yes, she's female. Amen. Let's just make that clear. That'd be like me just, you know, on the side somewhere, 
just kissing a little bit, holding hands a little bit with some other woman. I'm not having sex with her. I'm not really, really getting involved with her. Just every once in a while we meet up and kiss a little bit. It's a good example. That's what we do when we drink. We're just dabbling with it a little bit. We're not getting drunk. I mean, I'm not really, really, really sinning. We're just dabbling with it a little bit. And that's just a generic example of how we do as Christians a lot of times. I'm walking this line, and God says, I don't want you to do this at all. We say, well, what is at all exactly? Exactly where is at all? You know, because to me at all is one thing. To you at all is another thing. And who knows? Y'all following me? That's the problem when we don't as Christians just say, this is something I just don't do. That's why I say I don't drink at all. I don't drink wine. I don't drink a, gla- a drink. I don't drink a glass. I don't drink a beer. I don't drink at all because I don't know what my limit is. And, 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 and if I'm going to play around with fire, how do I know when I'm, how many people, listen, be real and be honest. One out of three people become alcoholics. How do you know you're not one of those three? How do you know you don't have tendencies in your life? That you're going to be that alcohol. If you play around with that fire, you're going to get burnt. And listen, I've worked for 22 years with drug addicts and alcoholics. And none of them woke up one morning and said, I just think I'm just going to become an addict. I don't like this normal life stuff. I don't like my wife. I don't like my life. I don't like normality. I want to become an alcoholic. Nobody does that. Yet everybody continues to drink and play with fire. And then they go and they drive and they die in accidents and they kill other people. Does it make anybody else mad that when people get in an accident, the drunk people live and the innocent people die? Does that make anybody else mad? So why would you go as a Christian and touch to your lips something that kills people that are innocent? Why would you do that? That's my take. I'm not doing it. Let me give you the best verse. I saved the best for last, like the guy in Matthew 2. All right, y'all ready for it? I want you to go to this one, Proverbs. Proverbs. If there's anybody that knew a little bit about partying, it was King Solomon. He knew. He had it all. Riches, fame, money, alcohol, women, everything. He he was like a modern-day whoever you want to put in there. Amen, he was. He, he tried it all and learned the hard way. Amen, watch this, Proverbs 23. Okay, so we're going to the very minimum. We're not talking about beer here. We're not talking about vodka or Everclear or, or uh, y'all, y'all trying to start naming some drinks now. Watch you see? <laughs> Tequila. I'm not sure. Hennessy. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of people who start throwing out their favorite drink. Hopefully it's not your favorite drink anymore. Amen. So, y'all with me? Proverbs 23. So we're just talking about wine. We're going to go to the very minimum. Wine, okay? Verse 29. This is so awesome. Proverbs 23, 29. I'm going to end with this. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? There's a description going on here. Those who linger long at the wine. 
those who go in search of what? Mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup. Seen those people go like this with the wine? Don't look at it when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. Watch this. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? Pretty good verses, huh? Pretty clear. The description of what alcohol does to you. People all the time walking out of JR pockets. I see vehicles left here all the time. Front of the church, on the side. You know they came out and couldn't drive. Thank God someone took them home and they didn't kill somebody. Amen? But... That they, they have all these descriptions right here. Who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contention, who has complaints. Why do I want to drink something that would do that to me? Amen. Why? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to take the chance? Why would you say, and you might be here and you go, look, man, I've been doing this for a long time. I got this down. Never been drunk. I can do this. What about being a stumbling block to somebody? Amen. What about somebody seeing you at a restaurant? that respects you and admires you and really looks up to you and all of a sudden they see that you drink and that for them, that is a huge stumbling block and they lose their respect or, they, or it causes them to say, you know what? See, that's the thing right there. Oh, I can handle it. That's what everybody says. I can handle it. I don't get drunk. Well, nobody ever said I'm going get, to get, get drunk and become an alcoholic. That just happens. So stay away from poison. Don't, how many of you today would go home after service, eat lunch, and then grab some poison and just drink a little bit of it? Just a little. Not enough to really kill you, but just a little. That sounds crazy, but that's what you're doing when you mess with alcohol. You're drinking a little bit of poison. It says it's, it's like a serpent and stings like a viper. So let me give you a few more stats as the musicians begin to come. Don't close me off. Okay, there's some, some more stats. This thing called alcohol, should a Christian drink alcohol? Here's what alcohol does. Half of the homicides that take place are alcohol related. One third of suicides directly direct to alcohol. One half of arson fires directly linked to alcohol. One half of all traffic accidents are linked to alcohol. 93% of hit and runs are linked to alcohol. 80% of all crimes are linked to alcohol. Think about some of those stats. So if all that stuff is caused by alcohol, why would I as a Christian want to drink that? Amen. Amen. So if you ask me, should Christians drink alcohol? I, for one, say no. That's my stand. You get your own. But I've given you some good Bible principles this morning to look at. I've given you some good things to think about. And please don't forget that one story about Jesus if you forget everything else. Because I kind of believe that we need to live our lives in a way that if I can do something with Jesus right by my side, 
then I'm okay to do it. But if I'd be convicted to do it with Jesus at the table, I probably shouldn't do it. Amen? Amen? And the last story, some of you have heard this, but it's, it's a really good one. How many like stories? It's a good story, good illustration as we close. We're getting our minds wrapped around this Christmas message, something for you to use at, at the family dinners this, this Christmas and maybe for you to think about it. Maybe even God's been talking to you about this. You haven't been sure about it. Maybe you're the reason this morning that I changed my message to preach this because you were praying about this. You've been asking God about it. How should our take with alcohol be and really anything else that's sin that we're not really sure of? Because there's some, you know, the Bible doesn't say don't smoke cigarettes. It doesn't say it. Thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. There's some things that we try to say, well, is that bad? So my take is this. This is my take from this story. A, a man in the olden times when they had chariots, some of you all remember this story. He, he needed a driver for his chariot. He was a king. He lived in one part of the city and where he had to go into the city was far away and between them was a set of mountains. And to get from his house to the city, he had to go through these mountains and there was an area in the mountains where there was this really dangerous curves. Remember, been a mountain like that. And during those curves, he had a very careful driver to get there. It's very dangerous. The only way he could get to work. So he needed a new chariot driver. So he had some interviews and he had some guys come in. First guy came in, he said, I need you to be my chariot driver. And I really need to know how good you are of a driver. And so he said, as we go through this, the mountains, there's this area and there's this really bad curve that we get to. And when we get there, I need to know how close you can get to the edge of that cur curve and that cliff without us going off. And that first, that first guy says, man, I could probably get us within six inches and not go off. I think probably six inches. And, I, and we would, and, and he's like, man, that's impressive. Thank you. I'll let you know. Second guy comes in and he says the same thing to him. And he says, I need to know how close you can get to that edge without us going off. I need to know how good of a driver you are. And that second guy says, man, I could get it probably within three inches and we would not go off. That's how good of a driver I am. And he said, okay, thank you. I'll let you know. Third guy comes in. He says, same story, same scenario. How close can you get me to that edge without us going off? And that third driver said, I'll get us around that curve and past that edge as far away from the edge as possible. He said, you're hired. You're hired. That's the look we should have, I think, about things like that. Not seeing how close I can get. How far away can I stay from that and still go where I'm supposed to go? Amen. Don't play or push the edge or try to see what you can get away with. Because listen, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people today who wish they'd have never taken a drink of alcohol. There's a lot of people today who wish they'd never touched it and they struggle with it. Like many other struggles, this is just one. This is something I'm feeling the Lord led to talk about this morning because it's, it's up, it's around us all the time and especially at these dinners. And you know what? You don't have to go around saying, man, you're drinking, stop drinking. But look for the opportunities for someone to say, hey, how come you don't drink? Because look, if you're drinking just like them, when are they going to ever ask you? What are they ever going to see that's different? Someone comes up and says, hey, you want to drink? No, I don't drink. Why? Because they're going to look at you weird. What? You don't drink? No, I don't drink. Come on, it's just, just a beer? No, I don't drink at all. I don't, I don't touch that stuff. Why? Well, I'm so glad you asked. How much time do you have? Amen? Let's have a seat. Let me tell you why. 
Amen. You can tell them. But that's, that's my take. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the spirit that's here. Lord, this isn't a condemnation message. It's an informative message. It's a message that your word says about this subject that we need to know. Lord, everybody's in different places here this morning. And I just pray that we would be filled with your word this morning on this subject. And Lord, not only alcohol, but all the things we deal with in temptation, Lord, in our lives. I declare this morning, I'm going to stay as far away from those things as I can. Because your word describes it very clearly that it's something that causes contention and causes problems. And it's a, it, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And Lord, I don't want to be a part of those things that cause people to die and lives to be destroyed. Lord, I want to be different this morning. Father, I ask this morning that you'd help all of us, not only in this area, but in all areas, be right, be holy, be righteous, be different, be set apart. As you're here this morning and you're praying and your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life. You've never gave him lordship and said, Jesus, come in. I want to be born again. I want to, I want to be a new creation. I want to start over fresh this morning. How many would say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me right now? I want to know Jesus right now. I need to know him. I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. I want to pray for you this morning all over this place. That's me. I need a savior. Maybe you're here. You're saved, but you're struggling with a sin. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe this has hit you between the, the eyes this morning and you, you, not me, but the Holy Spirit is really speaking to you and saying, listen, you've got to deal with this. Maybe you've got it under control, but God is seeing your future. God is seeing that day when you fall, when you fail, when you drink one too many and you like it and it leads to drunkenness and it leads to a bad decision and le listen, there's people in prison today who the first time they ever drank, they liked it and drank more and got drunk and killed someone in an accident and they're in prison today because of one time. There's people who tried it, liked it, got drunk, died. Maybe they're in hell this morning because they didn't take, take serious what Proverbs calls a serpent and something that can bite you, something that can destroy you this morning. I say to sin, if there's something in my life that's dangerous, I want to turn away from it. I don't want any part of it. Maybe it's not alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's perversion. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's unforgiveness. We all struggle with many different things. But God wants us to be free this morning.